I'm gonna throw a little hoedown for my lowdown rowdy way. I'm in for that. They got money at the sawmill and the company car. Stealing in the storeroom for my whole reward. What the hell is that? Sitting in the church house, a time for better days. I'm gonna throw a little hoedown for my lowdown rowdy way. Got my picture in the paper, copping a plea. Got a brand new lawyer, the court appointed me. Yeah. Tell my wife and my children, I'm home in 90 days. I'm gonna throw a little hoedown for my lowdown rowdy way. I'll take it. Listening to Inside Out with Turner and Seth. I wish you could see what I'm looking out on ducks on the water. It's beautiful here. I'm in Naples, Florida, Seth, and it's great to be back with you. It's good to see you. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, where it's a crispy, crispy 40 degrees. That's really nice. I always love this time of year because it's like spring with the leaves falling. That's how I can describe it. Oh, very nice. Uh, hey. Autumn. Always reminds me of New England for some reason. I don't know why that is. I don't know. I think but speaking like... in New England, moved my father to Connecticut from South Florida the other week. And guess what today is? What is that? His 87th birthday. Hey, happy birthday. Mazel tov. 87 years old and still cracking jokes. I love the man. He's great. He's so chill. I mean, most people are like, why would you move him from Florida to Connecticut? You're going the wrong way. And I was like, yeah, I know. But moving him down, I'm uh, moving him up to Connecticut so he can be near my sister and her kids. Um, and so, anyway, happy birthday, Dad! And we are still proud members of Osiris oh, Media. Oh, oh, Osiris. Osiris and Media. Um, you know they're offering. They have Osiris Premium subscriptions at Premium. five five dollars a month or more. But as for as cheap, I mean, that's as like five. not even the price of like a grilled cheese. Yeah, a lot. It's nothing. And you could support music podcasts, which helps inspire them to make more. And you have access to exclusive content and all kinds of other stuff. So uh, I guess it's Osiris.memberful.com slash join. Check that out. Osiris.pod. I'm going to say that again. Osiris. Osiris.memberful.com slash join. That's just Osiris.pod. I mean, no one's going to remember what you just said there, Rob. You you got to you say it so fast and so blurty. And, that, and there's that, and there's that. some guy interrupting me. And hey, by the way, you want to talk about interrupting? Listen to uh, Fly on the Wall with Dana Carvey. Oh, my God. Those guys are worse than us. <laughs> yes. Seth turned me on to that to that podcast. So that's a good that one. Paul McCartney interview is so good. Oh, yeah. So- and you know another another podcast that's really good is Stu on this. Uh, it's I believe a uh, Rob Turner's got another podcast. It's actually he uh, he did a, a replica of the Grant Green thing here, but at least he got a Megalosse on it. Uh, but the um, as a as your as your rock singer, I got to tell you, I really enjoyed that interview you had. Uh, the most recent episode. Talk about that just for a second, just like uh, real fast. First of all, it wasn't a replica. But uh, Samantha Turner, I met her at uh, K Fest, which was a. Uh, a bluegrass festival out in uh, cent- central Tennessee and my friend, John Colley, uh as we were packing to leave, 
on the Monday after my friend John Colley was talking earnestly with this woman on a golf cart. And I came over after dropping my trash off in a big pile, came walking back and poked my head in and heard this amazing story. And she had um, had been to the, you know, been through addiction and been through a very uh, hostile and dangerous situation and oh, freed yeah. herself from it. And uh, now has chosen to turn turn it into something positive. She's doing a lot of work to help addicts. You know, the opioid crisis is a tough thing in this country, not just the addiction, but, you know, the loss of hope and the kind of rut that you get in where you can't you can't afford to get to where you need to get. And it just and the, av- and the avenue in a lot of people think the avenue in is a choice like, oh, I, I want to go street trucks. It's not. That's not the thing. A lot of people are getting it because they were listening. They were doing what they were supposed to do, listening to their doctors. So this organization, Arts Inside, is is uh, part of getting arts into the prisons. Yeah, incarcerated folks to get them hope. But I mean, her her concerns go way way beyond that. And there's a model out of West Virginia of helping people get back into a working normal life, coming out of addiction, and some great ways that they've chosen to make it safe i guess for businesses to take the risk mm-hmm. with folks like this so it's just she's doing an amazing work i have a lot of respect and admiration for her, and i'm very proud of that episode thank you for mentioning that yeah, yeah. Uh, so stew on this right where do they find it on all your platforms? all your major platforms it's on dropped among this crowd media which is sarah j bless you sarah j we love you um she's a very passionate uh woman who's all about broadcasting all about Humphreys mcgee and all sorts of things my co-host carl engelman is from alibaba's tahini which is uh part of the whole Humphreys McGee family. That's originally Jake Sinegar came from that band and Humphreys to this day performs like 12 or something. Carl Engelman songs, not every night because they're a jam band, you know, and you're also doing something on YouTube. Did I miss this? Like, I'm not a sports guy, but, uh, but I've been hearing some buzz people on the streets are like, Hey, what's up with Rob Turner and YouTube. Yeah. Ryan Stasek of Humphreys speaking of Humphreys and uh, Carl and his son, Will, and I make our, our NFL picks every week and uh, have a little fun with it. It's just a quick little 20 minute. Where do they thing. find that? That's on YouTube. I would, yeah, but I, would, I mean, like any specific, like YouTube dot or slash uh, Rob Turner or something. You got your own page, or it's oh, on now, like, oh, oh now you want me to read the long address? Listen to you. You're all over the place. I would certainly. First of all, you can go to Dropped Among This Crowd Media website, or you can um, just go to YouTube and Stasic Engelman Turner NFL picks something like that. So we'll know. just put it all in on the in the description here. How about that? Yeah, you really, you really got to want to see it, folks. Yeah, you got to want to. Well, I mean, there's Humphreys fans here. There are. I mean, I and know at football least... fans. Dude, I, I I have friends who made some money You're off my text. You're sports radio with Rob Turner. I'm leading. I'm I'm leading. I, I don't brag about it on there, you know, because we're lucky to have Stasek on there, and he's kind of in last place, so I don't bring that up because the guy you one just time... did. You literally just did. You don't bring it up. That's the first thing. Oh, not on there. I can bring it up here. All I want. Oh, okay. I'm not, not going to do it on there. But there was one time he played a Death Kings gig and then it was up at seven the next day recording. I mean, the guy is uh, a trooper. Awesome. He's being very, very kind to us, which is typical. Like Stasek and Joel are the ambassadors of that band. Yeah. They're so kind to so many of us in media and in, uh, you know, and just in the fan base. So, uh, that's well, hey, let's thing. talk. Let's jump into today's episode. I mean, we haven't done a recording in a while, Rob. And it's uh, uh, I will share that the, I got an email and I was like, hmm, this new album looks kind of cool. And I sent you a link and within like not even a minute, which is odd because normally it takes them two months to respond to an email. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm busy, but you so. responded right away and you were very excited. So uh, it felt good to do a recording. And why don't you uh, lead us into it? Low down, ho down, Jason Carter, who's been with Del McCoy for 30 plus bands. He's in the Traveling McCoys. He's played with all kinds of different 
musicians. You'll hear about it in this interview. He was very generous talking about everyone from Charlie Daniels to Earl Scruggs. And Lowdown Hoedown is the new is the name of the new record taken from a Danny Barnes uh, as yet unrecorded song. It's not the only as yet unrecorded song, and he will correct me in the interview as well. Oh, there's and a it's lot out- of corrections. Yeah, there's <laughs> some. <laughs> Might have we don't have to out. talk about that. We don't have to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, he's a nice guy, that Jason Carter. But so, it's out- super nice, super nice. <laughs> it's out November fourth. Uh, William Apostle, Billy Strings is on it. Uh, Marty Stewart's on it. John Fishman is on it. Um, it's a who's who yeah. of, of acoustic and improvisational organic music, and the songs are great. It's just it's a crackling with timeless energy. The one thing we didn't crackling talk about with timeless energy. Mm, I like that. It really is. And uh, have you ever what, said what? that before? That was that's good. Yeah, uh, something's just come to me, Seth. Oh, wow! It's all a matter of having a pen. Well, or 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 a microphone and a recording. So you got that. So let's hear a, a little piece. You know, I, um, I don't what the whole record is great, but. Uh, yeah, how are we going to choose what songs to use for this this episode? I mean, they're really, really, really good it's, songs. It's going to be tricky, but uh, we didn't talk much about Midnight Flyer. So let's lead in. Um, you know, he, he first heard this from his, his dad had a band called Buffalo Creek Express. And uh, they played this song. The Osborne Brothers used to play the song. And even the Eagles. You ever heard of them, Seth? It's like the hand-me-down song. I like it. The Eagles are a band I call Mike Campbell's new band. Yeah, yeah, you know, the bald eagles, yeah. I saw my camel in Knoxville with Government Mule, and I shot two videos of them collaborating, and they're on oh, my cool. Vitamin R Energy is my YouTube page, and they're on there. There's a bunch of cool acoustic uh, jam grass stuff on there, too, folks. Get on there. Check it out. Take us the interview, Seth. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Jason Garner. Engineer, won't you let your whistle blow? Midnight flyer, I paid my dues and I feel like traveling on. The runaway table out horses ain't enough to make me stay. So throw your rope on another man and pull him down your way. Make him into someone who take the place of me. Make him every kind of a fool you wanted me to be. Engineer, won't you let your whistle blow? Midnight flyer, I paint my dues and I feel like traveling on. Jason, I have to tell you, Seth and I have been doing this podcast for six or seven years, but in the past year or two, we've had divergent schedules. We've gotten busy in very different ways, but it was a real crack of the whip to know we had an opportunity to talk to you. And here we are. Thank you so much for giving us time. I so much admire and respect your playing. And uh, it's great to see you at the front for this new record. Lowdown hoedown. <laughs> oh, thanks, man, and and it's uh, it's great for me to be here with you. Thank you, thank you for having me. 
Well, I want to talk about Danny Barnes, because if I'm correct, the one song that's never been recorded before is the one from which you take the title, Hoedown for My Lowdown Rowdy Ways, which I guess you just called Danny and said, you, you got any songs for me? I did. Yeah, I called up Danny and uh, I was asking him, I, I, I said, you know, I'm getting ready. I'm doing this new record. I'd love to have you be a part. I said, do you have any songs? I love your songs, you know. He's like, yeah, man, I got one called uh, Hoedown for My Lowdown Rowdy Ways, and he had me right there. I was like, I love it. <laughs> I would kind of hear this, you know. So anyway, he sent it to me, and uh, of course, I, I couldn't do it as good as Danny, but uh, but I did get him to play banjo on it and uh, got Dirk Spentley to sing with me on there. Dirk's is a... I had a lot of guest artists... Uh, on my CD, but like as far as somebody featured, uh, Dirks is the only one that like got a got a solo verse singing besides myself. <laughs> we kind of traded back and forth on this song. So Jason knew Dirks before he was a huge uh, country sensation, right? Your time with him goes way back. Yeah, yeah, I met Dirks uh, years ago. Uh, uh, he went to school at Vanderbilt. Some of his friends would come down to the station inn on Tuesday night to watch this band, and I would too. Sometimes I would play with them, but it was the side men, uh, and they, they played for years down there every Tuesday night, and it was like Ronnie and Rob McCurry and Mike Bubb, Gene Wooten, Terry Eldridge, uh, Jimmy Campbell uh, was the fiddler, and, and sometimes I would play sit-in with them. And uh, Anyway, Dirks came to, would come down there, and I don't really remember him at, at in the beginning playing anything but i think he played some guitar and we just started hanging out playing golf and going fishing and that kind of stuff along with a couple other guys there one guy lives in uh, in atlanta now jeffrey glover uh, oh. and then uh bon johnson is another guy uh they they're on uh they're on the track too uh so i kind of brought the brought the gang back together mm -hmm. uh, very cool but they're uh bon and glover they're they're giving the yips the yeehaws and the uh, the sound effects on this thing, but anyway, uh, yeah, back to Dirks. Uh, Gives it a festive feel. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, we even got to ring the station in bell on the end of the track too, which was kind of cool. But uh, uh, anyway, Dirks, uh, we started trying to write songs together. We did that for a while, and and the next thing you know, uh, he was uh, he had a. Yeah, I don't know. He he was just a lot better at writing songs than what I was. And the next thing you know, I, he had like a whole book full of songs that he had written. And he he called me up. He said, hey, man, I got a writer's deal. And uh, we were psyched about this, you know. And then he was he then he was like a couple. It wasn't long after that. He was like, dude, I just got a record deal. <laughs> he's like, when I get this record deal, deal we're going to fish and golf all the time. <laughs> and that was the end of our fishing and golfing together right. <laughs> yeah, a month later dude i'm playing arenas yeah <laughs> his, first song, his first song out of the shoot was a number one hit you know so it was it was meant to be you know i'm i'm so proud of that guy and and happy for him you know and his success so it's good to see one of your closest friends really succeed like that you know i feel like you've had uh, a couple others like that as well huh i mean especially uh where you're located. <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah. No, I, I think Dirks is the closest one to me that's mm -hmm. had that kind of success. Just a quick question. And then Seth will go to what you're saying. If a big country artist like Dirks or 
I don't know who are the big ones now, Luke Bryan or something, offered you a ton of money and said, hey, come on the road with us and you'll, you'll sing lead on a couple songs a night. I have a feeling you've maybe been offered this before. How would you, uh, how would you sift through that, an offer such as that? Well, I, I don't know. I've always been pretty happy with my gig. I, I've been with Del McCurry for, since 1992. I hired on with him and that was kind of my dream job. So I, uh, Okay, but what if they were willing to work around Dell's schedule? Oh, really? Uh, if that was the case, well, I I came. I always say I came here to this town to play music, so I would I, I would probably consider uh, doing that. But I, I think that's pretty far fetched. <laughs> uh, Rob's just pushing for a percentage here, guys. <laughs> well, go ahead, Seth, and then and then we'll get back to some of the. What were you gonna? What were you gonna well, ask? Yeah, him? so I was just curious. Um, yeah, what what got you to get this group together to do this? What? Uh, where did the concept for this album, where did the drive come from? The primary initial motivator, if you will. I, you know, I'm not really sure. Uh, I had some of these songs that I wanted to do, and it's been it's been since like 1996 since I did a, a solo record. Well, hold on, and, hold on, hold on a second. Since 1996? Well, I didn't realize that it's been that long since you did a solo record. And, and then that record was mostly fiddle tunes. Right. Uh, and then we had the pandemic, and we, were, we weren't doing a whole lot. And so oh, I must have missed that. I never heard about that. <laughs> <laughs> Seth's life didn't change. <laughs> so we, uh, I don't know. I, I had these songs that I wanted to do, and some of them I didn't think that the, I, I didn't think that the Travel McCurries, they might not be interested in doing. I'll just do a record on my own, you know. And uh, and I wanted it to be a little different than you know what I did with Dell or what I did with the Travel McCurries. Although I did get Dell on the CD, I had the Travel McCurries on two tracks. Uh, but I wanted it to be a little different. Yeah. Uh, so I, I got a different band and I, I just started calling some friends and I, I was surprised when they all said yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm still blown away by their kindness to come play music with me, and record with me. I have to say that you know, I'm seeing a lot more bluegrass, jamgrass, whatever recently. And a lot of the times I'm with young people. I'm, I've come into this whole world. Young as um, in their 40s, right? <laughs> no, no, Seth. Very, very young folks who, are, and, and and a lot of the artists that you're covering here, I I had the opportunity to see live, and and I'm telling these young folks about it. John Hartford is a huge one, uh -huh, and, yeah. and this uh, six o'clock train and a girl with green eyes is a is a wonderful choice because not many people have covered it, right? I've only heard John's version of this song, so yeah, yeah, that's the only place I heard that, and. It's incredible. Uh, well, there's a couple different recordings of John doing this too. So uh, I think it was the, the one that I listened to was the one that I, I think it was Buddy Emmons playing steel guitar on there, and Sam Bush was playing mandolin. It was it was way cool. I don't I don't know the record that it's on. I think I have the record in my downstairs room on my shelf, but I can't remember the name of it. But now, but Rob, I'm... you realize you realize that uh, you got a little confused there. I mean, Green Eyes is definitely going to be covered but nowhere near as much as brown eyes <laughs> right <laughs> but th this is one thing as we're not musicians of course and a lot of people listen on, to i got a trumpet next to me be careful what you say buddy oh that's right and i gotta admit jeff coffin did grab his camera and and film <laughs> seth playing trumpet at a jam session once but my point being when you it's amazing to me you look at this material and you're gonna put down put your stamp on it to what extent it's it's a balancing act where you want to honor the initial version but you want to put your new, you know, put your stamp on it, as I say. How do you negotiate that? Do you ever listen back and say, oh, God, that's too far away from the original or, oh, man, that's too much like the in initial? Well, 
Uh, just that track, for instance, I had thought about having steel guitar on there, and I had talked to a friend of mine about playing steel guitar on it, and then I, Jerry uh, was going to come, and I, I, I wasn't sure if he was going to bring his dobro or his lap steel to the session when he showed up. He had his uh, his dobro, for this song anyway. So he knew, he he came in knowing that's a song, so he was playing, that was his plan. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I had worked on it here by myself with playing guitar and singing. But I think some of this stuff, it just happens kind of like, you know, I kind of had an arra- like an arrangement idea and, of course, the, the players that I wanted on it. And then I think it just happens. You know? So not, not, there's not much thought into the producing of it in advance of, I want you to bring this and I want you to do that. It's kind of, hey, this is what we're doing. Bring you to it and whatever you bring. Right, right. You don't know guidance. Just give us you. I, well, I think I had mentioned to Jerry if he wanted to bring a steel guitar, he could, or a lap steel or something, but I, I don't know. I, that's a lot of stuff. That's a, that's a lot of stuff to carry. <laughs> <laughs> He's the world's greatest dobro player, so I was pleased. Oh, yeah. He really, anything, I have a bone to pick with him because a, a golf cart he was in almost ran me over at Earl Scruggs Festival, but I still love the guy. But and any I paid stage, him good money to run you over. Hey, any stage he walks on, he improves. He, he, it's just magical, borderline yeah. magical. And I tell you what, all these guys that, that played on my record, uh, they're my heroes, but, but you, you take somebody like Sam Bush or Jerry, when they walk into a room, man, the, the room just light, lights oh, up. Yeah. You no, know? I mean, they just bring this oh, energy yeah. and... Uh, well, you, very, uh, you you always see people when they're they're around. Everybody in the whole room smiling. You know? well, especially <laughs> Sam Bush. He he radiates such positivity. Uh, it's right. unbelievable. Right. Um, like there's I don't I don't. He just has such a spirit about him. Um, and he's forever young. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And speaking of the Earl Scruggs Festival, one of the highlights, maybe the highlight, was the Earls of Leicester. Right. And their lead singer, uh, I believe, wrote queen of the national night is that's sean sean camp right yeah 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 i'm not familiar with sean camp Who's that's that? the thing not many people no. jason know about this amazing and wonderful songwriter at that earl he did a an impromptu solo set as well and oh my god it was so good why yeah. is he not as well known well i i don't know i i've known sean for a long time and uh i have in the crowd that I run with, I think everybody knows who Sean is. Sean actually had a uh, had a record deal too one time. Uh, this was years ago, like a like a major uh, major record label uh, behind him doing country music. Uh, but he had songs recorded by everybody, like from Garth Brooks to Brooks and Dunn to the Del McCurry Band has recorded tons of Sean Camp songs. This Queen of the Nashville Night. What well, this is years ago too. This is like nineties. I remember Sean, I went to his place, uh, to his house for a little jam session, and we picked and all this, and I talked to him, and I wound up getting a CD of, of songs that he had written, and a lot of those songs on this CD, he is, he's recorded or somebody else has recorded, and I always liked that Queen of the Nashville Nights, but nobody had recorded this thing, and so whenever I did my record, I was like, I, I definitely want to do this one, you know? And, uh, Sean Camp tune and it tells a great story it kind of paints a picture you know to me yeah I'm glad I'm just thrilled to have it on my on my CD and David Greer is clearly an important songwriter to you right on uh and Greer's tunes uh the Paper Angel I don't think anybody has ever recorded that one David recorded Dust Bowl Dream on his record but David uh on my first record David had like four or five songs, I don't remember how many, four songs maybe that he had written. 
on my first record. And then he brought other songs to me for that record too. Back in the 90s, me and David hung out quite a bit. And, and you know, just life happens. And I, I moved uh, like up close to Kentucky and I wasn't like hanging out in Nashville as much for several years. And then I moved back down here to Hendersonville and I started going down to uh, some local jams. And who do I run into? Still hanging out and still playing music uh, all night long is David Greer. And me and David started hanging out a little bit more. And he's like, hey, I got these songs. And it's, it's like, well, hey, man, I'm getting ready to record. <laughs> and the funny thing is, I, I haven't recorded since the mid-90s. And when I, when I decided to record again, uh, it was with David. And it's at mm -hmm. the same studio that I recorded my first record uh, with Brent Truitt in Nashville. Back where it all begins. Back where it, it's just full circle, you know. So it was... Uh, it's a heck of an experience, man. I, I, I hope it's not going to be this long before I record again. I, I really want to keep, keep the ball rolling with this stuff. And I'm In a faded photograph In a faded photograph 
I did find uh, I did find a couple like instrumental things that I had written with with Greer or, or pieces, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I wouldn't mind getting with trying to get back with somebody. And I've been talking to my girlfriend Bronwyn too about maybe her and I trying to write some stuff, you know. Uh, <clears throat> you mean the IBMA Fiddler yeah. Award winner, two-time uh, Fiddle Player of the Year, Bronwyn Keith Hines? Yeah. See, I think you're you're one of the best fiddler players in the world, but according to the IBMA, you're not even the best in your relationship. What is that? <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, I'll play second fiddle to her anyway. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that, that Molly Tuttle band is on fire right now. We, my girlfriend and I have seen them three times recently. Oh, my goodness. Their version of She's a Rainbow. I mean, I can't say enough about that group. It's so good, right? I. It's like my favorite. Well, it's my favorite band. Um, yeah. I, I think they're I think they're incredible. I've seen several shows and got to hang out and watch them and, and play with them. And uh, but man, I just love uh, it's it's the hottest band going. I think yeah, mm-hmm. it's really great. Kyle Tuttle, Dominic Leslie, uh, playing the band Shelby Means and Molly and Bronwyn, and they are on fire. Is Shelby the bassist? Yes. Um, when Bela Fleck and Bluegrass were playing, Shats. You know, he does the clogging, whatever you call it. What do you call that? Yeah. Is it clogging? Uh-huh. She came out and seamlessly grabbed the bass in the middle of the song. They didn't miss a beat. It was like she walked out. It was so perfectly well-timed, but seemingly spontaneous, too. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, I tell you what, she is an incredible player. And uh, and another thing, her singing is just out of this world. Uh, she's singing a lot of the harmony stuff with, with Molly and... Uh, Man, boy, she is just spot on. I, I could I could talk forever on that on the Molly Tuttle band, the Golden Highway band. They're just all incredible. Sarah DeRose is also on Dust Bowl Dream. Yeah, yeah. How much have you worked with her? Sarah, uh I'd not uh not a lot. I I met I met her at Rocky Grass. When she was very young, she was attending the academy there, where we used to go like teach for a week. And she would, she would, she came to there, to the academy, and was in our like in our classes. But uh, and she was just a little girl. And Dominic Leslie was uh, was out there as well, the mandolin player with Molly. That's where I met her. But she was, I think everybody there that knew her when she played and sang. They knew that she was on her way to just being like the greatest. Now, were you seeing her uh, like you know picking picking with her like around the fires over at Swanee or you know uh, the beaches of uh, Strings and Soul or you know like where all these little picking things happened outside of the stage? Uh, more so, probably out in Colorado when she was younger. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. For Colorado sure. ride and whatnot. Uh, Rocky Grass. Rocky Grass, yeah. Rocky Grass was the one, yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's one of those artists, and I think this happens a lot, where there's something instantly familiar the first time you hear them. It's almost spooky. Yeah. What do you think that is? Yeah, where's that come from? I don't know. It's like an old soul <laughs> thing, right? I mean, but like, but like, you know, like, let's just go down this rabbit hole for a second. I mean, the thing about music is kind of interesting, but some people, they, they like you're saying, the sound, like it's like they're they're bringing like this ancient, peace with them so connect the music is connected to some long like this lasting energy that's been out there and like i don't know how you can really explain it other than that 
Cool, man. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say about uh, Sarah Jarose. She came into the, you know, we were talking about how uh, I met her at Rocky Grass and she was just bound for stardom, it seemed like, at, at a young age. Uh, anyway, she came. Oh, you know what? She sang on Bronwyn's record. So uh, I had I had been, the song on that she sang, it was called Last Train, and it was like one of my favorite songs on Bronwyn's record. Uh, and so when it came time for me to do this, I needed somebody to sing on Dust Bowl, and, uh, and I thought of her. And when she come to the studio, I swear her first track, first pass through was, was spot on. I mean, mm. it, it was a keeper. She sang it a couple times, I think, but uh, she wouldn't have had to. And me and Brent Truitt were sitting in the control room when she came in to sing. And he was like, holy cow, this is just amazing. You know, it's just like she did. There was no, it, it was just perfect. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how else to put it, but. She, she was just incredible, and then uh, I got her to sing both both harmony parts on. Well, uh, it's she sings like a well. Anyway, you just it's, have. It's indicative of a range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. If I could feel a drop of rain, I'd fall down to my knees. So now let's get on to likes of me. You first heard it uh, way back in the early nineties. You heard Marty Stewart do it, right? Yeah. And this was a, uh, 
Oh, I remember seeing this on like CMT. He had a country video on on, uh, on CMT or TNN back in those days. Right, right. <laughs> but when they started doing uh, music videos, he had a music video out on this song, and it's not the Jerry Reed tune. It's not uh, uh, not the same song as Tony Rice either. So it's Jer a the one Tony does is the one Jerry Reed wrote. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So this is a. Uh, I forget the name of the writers on there. I would have to look on the on the album liner notes. But I think they, they used to play, if I'm not mistaken, they, one of the guys played with Marty that wrote this song. Did you ever play on Marty's live performance show that was on, uh, I think that was CMT? Uh, yeah, actually on uh, RFD, uh, on his show, I, I, I have. Yes, I did. Uh, I did with the Del McCurry Band. And I've actually done that a couple times. He actually, I got to play on that with Earl Scruggs. I was going to say, it's, it was known for interesting collaborations. How did that go? How, did you talk over with Earl what you were going to do? And did you just say what you want? You know, how was the whole interaction? Walk us through that. Earl made the decisions on that. I was just a hired, a hired hand. Uh, but I'm uh, grateful to Marty for, for him to call me uh, to do this. I've... Uh, I've still got the sign, like, uh, I know it's silly, but I still have the sign from that show uh, in my music room. That's not silly at all. Did Earl acknowledge you at all? Did he say, hey, that was good or this was good? Or Yeah. So, uh, but <laughs> Nice. Marty's, uh, I don't know. He's always been, like, super nice ever since I was, like, like really young. Uh, uh, and that's years ago, too. But uh, he, he hired me for a few different things. I've always been a fan of Marty, his playing and singing. I I was I I had thought about having him sing on this on that tune. I just decided to leave it as a duet with me and Dell singing. Dell sung the the, high, the tenor part on this song, but Marty played the mandolin. I think that kind of tied it together pretty good for me. Uh, man, he he played so great. He, there's a part in the song where he his backup on there. I, I, I come out of my seat whenever he played it in the studio. I was so excited. So, yeah. I was excited when I popped this on and the lead track was a Bruce Hornsby song because the last time we talked to you, um, we talked about Vassar Clements. We were at the holiday hoot nanny with uh, Thomas Helen and John Maylander was one of the uh, John Maylander and Lindsay Pruitt and yourself did a tribute to Vassar. You remember that? Yeah, absolutely. I won't forget that. Uh, I didn't really know John that well at that time. I've got to know him a lot better now. And man, what a, I was so blown away by him and Lindsay both at that time because we didn't really have any time to rehearse anything. Mm. And we did triple fiddles, which is, you know, yeah. you, playing twin fiddles, you can you have a little more freedom with the triples. It's it's pretty it's pretty for it to work really good. It's got it needs to be worked out, but we didn't have time to work anything out. These, those two, boy, they just, they're just incredible flares. I'm glad they had, I was playing the lead. They were playing the harmony to me that night. And I'm glad it was that worked out that way because it would have been, I wouldn't have been able to do what they did. I need to, I have video of that. Uh, when I see you this year's holiday hootenanny, I'll have to give that to you. I would love it. Yeah. yeah. I, I would love it. Hopefully uh, you'll play with Fireside Collective too. But that is a, such a great Hornsby song to choose, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a little off the beaten path, but I've always loved that song. Can you can you tell it's 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 uh, conveying dissatisfaction with one's life sort of thing? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it, I kind of look at it as 
I don't know, like the, somebody it's their, their boss is like a prison warden, I guess, <laughs> you know, dissatisfied in their job and that kind of thing. I, I, it's kind of what I get out of it, but, uh, I, I thought it was a great song. I, I had told people that, uh, I had told a few people that Cody Kilby brought that song to me, but I, I was, I got that mixed up. He he brought that song "White Wheeled Limo, uh, Limousine" to me, uh, and we recorded. Actually, we've recorded that with the Traveling McCurries. It's not come out yet. Hmm. We live shows, but how I heard this song, "The King of the Hill," uh, I somehow was driving our sound man's car and I think it was what it was is we came in from a road trip from the airport and he had drove and I went and get his car and this was what was playing in the car I was like oh this song is incredible this would make a great bluegrass song you know <laughs> so, uh, I was in Key Chang's car and this was playing and that's where I heard that song for the first time King of the Hill oh man that's great yeah uh you know I forgot to mention, uh, we got to get back to John Hartford. I, I, I missed an elephant in the room, Seth. <laughs> but the young lion of bluegrass plays on that one as well. And, and he was supposed to just sing, right? Is that, is that the one Billy plays on? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, I had the track done, and I needed somebody to sing the harmony. And I, I wasn't, I just had, I wasn't sure who to ask, you know, and, and I called Billy and I sent him the track and he said, yeah, that's in my range. I'd be glad to do it, you know? And so hmm. he, and, uh, I don't remember if I asked him to bring his guitar or if he just showed up with his guitar. I knew that, uh, Cody Kilby had played on the track and played the solo and I really liked his, I did not, I was not going to take Cody's solo off of the record. <laughs> I mean, if, if I was going to add something, I would have took my fiddle break off or something. <laughs> Billy come in and sang, and then I got it. He played guitar, like just backup guitar, all like backup feels and all this stuff. So all that stuff is Billy playing on that. Hey, man, it just worked out perfect, I thought. Oh, that's a great track. Did you, did you ever know Hartford? Did you know John Hartford? Absolutely, man. John was... Uh, we did shows together, but more so than that, uh, John would be at all the picking parties back in the nineties, uh, that I would go to. We, we would all, oh, it was, it seemed like every week we'd be at a, at a party at somebody's house and John would be there and he'd bring Benny Martin. Like Benny was one of my heroes and biggest influences, but Benny would be there and John would be there playing fiddle. I, I probably got more into John's music after he after he passed you know and i kind of hate that but the time when he was around and at these parties you know he was just like one of the guys mm -hmm. you know we we all just hung out like if we were at a party and and he wasn't there it'd be like well where's john <laughs> we can't can't get started without him or but he was but he was always there and we were just kind of hanging and playing music together and so yeah i knew him well you know now, rob i know you want to talk about billy strings i can see it in your eyes well, I would like to know Jason's view of that whole phenomenon. I mean, it's going to be bluegrass in, in arenas soon. Has anyone, has, did Bill Monroe ever get in arenas? I don't no, think so. No, I think Billy's the biggest thing that's ever hit bluegrass. And I think it's, uh, gosh, I, I just, nobody deserves it more than he does. He's drawing, <laughs> he's selling more tickets than anybody. 
combined. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And there's always been something special about him. You know, it's just like whenever I I remember he came up and played with us and uh, opened shows for the Del McCurry band. When was the first time you were like, whoa, that kid is a little different? Do you, do you have it in your memory at all? Like the first thing that sh- stuck out? I I didn't think about him as being different. I just thought about him being really great and a great person. He he would he was at these shows and he hadn't hit yet and he was playing and I was like, man, this guy sounds just like Doc Watson, <laughs> you know. And then I heard him sing a Mac Wiseman tune and Mac was another guy that was like a huge influence uh, for me. And when we interviewed Billy, he said that's the one artist he most wanted to play with. Yeah. All right, so Mac was another guy that was like, he would be at all the picking parties. Well, not, well, a lot of the picking parties. Mac was around, and I got to play a lot of music with Mac. And, oh, wow, that's great. And he was just a, Mac was a dear friend. He's left voicemails for me, and I'm still saving them, you know. On yeah, my- yeah, yeah, don't let those go. No way, mm-hmm. no way, man. I, I miss that guy. I miss him. Yeah. But Billy... uh Billy can sing like him. He studied him, you know, he studied Doc Watson and then he can play like these bluegrass legends and then he can just rip, man. He can just play anything. (laughs) And on top of that, he's just the nicest guy. That's one of the uh, biggest hearted guys I I know. So he does the work to get himself there, but he also um, has even from, from our interview, Rob, I mean, he, he came at, one of the things my takeaway when that interview was he, his professionalism. He's so young that, and he's straight up like, yeah, after the shows, I mean, I want to say hi to my fans and all that, but he's like, I want to go on the bus. I don't want to drink. I want to get health, you know, and good night's rest so I can, you know, do the work the next day because this is, right. but, but at that, he, his dedication to the practice. Yeah. Right. Right. But at such a young age, he like, he learned that lesson so young to be able to really, yeah. Yeah, it, but he's he's on a wave. You really think he's do arenas, Rob? Oh, he already is. He's already in them. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, I don't know if we'll be going, but I'm totally happy for him. You know, and we'll go to the Asheville and see him in arenas there. But uh, we'll we'll probably move on to smaller acts at that point. But go, Billy, rock on. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Let's get back to Vassar. We kind of we've talked we've talked to you about him before, but Kissimmee Kid is on here. And- I was just trying to do a uh, it's like a cheap imitation of Vassar, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah Vassar wrote that that tune he recorded it a few times and there's several different versions of this you know uh, of this tune i liked it when he played it a little up tempo you know i liked all the cuts but for me i needed an up tempo uh instrumental and that when i wanted to i wanted to play kind of a tribute to to Vassar. you know he's one of my one of my fiddle guys you know one of my fiddle heroes
course, I met uh, most of the, everybody after I joined with Dell. Sure. 92, around that time, and we were playing shows together, you know. Uh, I, I remember seeing Tim as a, when I was a kid. Uh, I played guitar starting off. That's the first thing I did was play guitar before I played fiddle. And so the, the two, kind of the two jobs, well, two jobs that I wanted to have, you know, I always... Uh, I always told people that I was going to play with the Del McCurry band, you know, and uh, that's kind of why I, I picked up fiddle, you know, it's, yeah. Uh, uh, but my other, the other job that I kind of wanted was I wanted to play guitar with Hot Rise. <laughs> hot Rise. You know, that'd be, a hell, that'd be a hell of a gig. So I, I, I was listening, they were the hot, they were really hot. Like when I was in, in high school, they were on like, Austin city limits and, all these TV shows that were, that were coming out of like Nashville, and they were one of the bluegrass bands that were on that you would be you would see on TV, you know. So, uh, and that's the first place I saw Tim was with Hot Rise, and then I met him when we when I joined the Del McCurry band. Uh, so that's how uh, mid nineties. His Red Knuckles project is fun. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. But getting back to being around young folks and and being an old fart and lucky to see stuff, the Merle Fest. Tim used to late night head up the Super Jam. Did you get to play in any of those? And do you do you remember? Do you have any memories of those? It was being like a barn kind Man, of set off. I, I remember going over there a couple times, uh, but I don't really remember a whole lot about it. I, I I know I went and played on a couple of those. Can you tell us about Dave Evans? Because again, another I think maybe underappreciated artist that you're quite familiar with. Absolutely. So growing up, Dave Evans was at almost every bluegrass festival around my home in Eastern Kentucky, and I got I think Dave Dave is from Eastern Kentucky. When I was growing up, I thought he lived in Ohio, uh, which was just right there, you know, right across the river. And my dad had all these Dave Evans records, and we would listen to. That's what we listened to. We, my our family was huge Dave Evans fans. And we would go to the festival, River Bend Festival, which I think was his festival in Vanceburg, uh. Kentucky. But anyway, he would be at the festivals and that, that's what that's what I heard growing up. And uh, the song Highway 52 that I did, uh, I just remember as a kid, uh, it was it was just way cool because he's talking about all the towns. Right, right. From the old Queen City to New Boston, uh, Ironton and old Hanging Rock. That's just right across the river from my house in nice. Kentucky. So we, I traveled that road, you know, and I'd see the road signs and I heard this song. And I was like, oh, this is about home, you know. <laughs> so, And then we played in Cincinnati as the Traveling McCurries. We played up there and I drove myself to the gig and I got off. Uh, we got on Highway 52 and I was like, oh, we should do Highway 52. So There I, you go. <laughs> On the sound check that night, I told the guys, I said, let's do this song, you know, and so we run it on sound check and did it on the show. And after that, I was like, ah, I'm recording it. I, this is what I'll record. <laughs> if mama said, son, before you leave me, there's something I want you to do, promise me that you won't go wrong. Let's travel down on Highway 52. I'm sitting on the banks of the Ohio River As the sunrise kisses the dew The fox hound 
dogs run and the steamboats roll. I've been sitting there on Highway 52. the end though the you led me to the wrong then highway six uh highway 52 and then i am a, a long time grateful dead fan i've seen them a, really embar- no embar- no I've way seen, you I've, se- <laughs> I've seen them an embarrassing amount of times and you picked my very favorite one my very favorite song and uh really cool you have john fishman on it who i think he's in goose right or something no no <laughs> string cheese oh okay Actually, he's on my show. I have a Surrender to the Air shirt on now. He played at that. That was a Trey's improv thing. But um, really cool version of Birdsong. And the McCoys do that, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's that's featuring the Travel McCurries on there uh, with John. And it's how do, you, how, do you, how do you bring in John, though? I figured if you're going to get anyone from the uh, the the uh, the Camp of Fish, you would go with uh, the Bluegrass guy, which would be Gordon. Yeah. Well, you know, uh uh, Jonathan come and played with the Del McCurry band. He sat in with us a couple times and the traveling McCurries. So I got, oh, yeah. I, 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 well, I met all those guys. Uh, the first time I met them, we played the Oswega. At a, yes. A show up oh, there. oh yeah. We're going to ask you about that. Yeah. That was <laughs> incredible. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, after that, he's uh, recently, he played uh, IBMA with both the traveling McCurries and Del McCurry band. <clears throat> at the IBMA, I didn't know that. I know yeah, I, don't, I don't remember, but that. not at the IBMA. That's I mean, cool. He, when was that? This guy is the dead guy. I'm the fish guy in the. Here. I don't remember that. We played a show with Dale uh, a couple years ago, and and Jonathan was there to play play with us. And then he did came over and played the late night show that the Travelers did too. Hmm. Nice, so good, man. When you play with that guy, it's just like such a good feel. I just called up and got him to do this, you know, and it. Again, I can't believe he said yes. <laughs> this guy like that. Well, I mean, he, he hears he's going to be on a on an album where Sam Bush is on and all these other guys. I'm sure he's like, oh, yeah, throw my name on that. But but uh, does he bring you to the rock and roll vibe, or does he come to the bluegrass vibe? I I, I think he just did his thing on this. You know, I I just think he, I, I don't know. I just think I I think he just did his thing. He plays so tastefully. Yeah. You know, when he played with the Del McCurry band, uh, he played with the Ry- at the Ryman with us one time. Oh. Uh, that's a wow. special guest, and he's just so tasteful. Uh, it's not like 
You've played the Ryman a lot, haven't you? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Lucky guy. Huh? What like, were you gonna say there? What yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. He's just like he he uh, when he plays with you, it's just like he's it's just like he's been there for since day one. Ah. Uh, and uh, intuition. Yeah, I would say intuition, but also I think it's it goes back to all the listening. I mean, that's the whole fish thing. They listen so well. So, you know, it's it's funny too. Like uh, some of these songs that we do, they would have like an arrangement uh, where you stop here and you stop here and blah blah blah. We never run over anything. We didn't have time to run over anything. We didn't have time to rehearse. You know, we, if we run over anything, it would have been a, just a couple tunes on sound check. And then he come and played with us, and I don't ever remember him missing a stop <laughs> or missing an ending or nothing never stood out. It was just, he just played beautifully. Did he talk your ear off about ranked voting and stuff like that? No. <laughs> no? Okay. No. Well, he definitely talked your ear off, I'm sure. He's, he's a talker. <laughs> no. He's such, I, such a gregarious guy. He was just, he was always just super to be around, you know? Uh, yeah. So let's go back to Oswego the first time. Uh, I mean, that, to what extent was... Was Dell and were the whole band familiar with the fish world going into that festival? Uh, I can't speak for the guys or, or Dell. Maybe Ron might have knew those guys more than I, I didn't know those guys. Uh, so, I, didn't, I didn't know who fish was, you know, and then I get up there and I, we meet, meet them and, uh, and, the, and then see this crowd of like 80,000 people. And it's like, that's what we're going to play up there. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I, I wonder about that. What is, what you, what are you thinking? Were you going in front of this electric band, this huge crowd? You're totally out of your element. And we played with them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I've got it on a cassette right on the other side. <laughs> it's like four songs, right? Check this out. But I remember uh, what I remember about that. They, we played, uh, we got up there and we played a set. It seems like we played our own set and then we got yeah. up with them. Uh, yeah. And while we were on stage with them, Somebody broke a string and Trey says, uh, he said, hey, why don't you guys do one of those fiddle banjo duet things that you do? And it's just like me and Rob McCurry, you know, and playing a playing a fiddle tune, you know, with just the fiddle and banjo. And I was, man, I immediately just got completely nervous. And I was like, <laughs> you don't, I, I can't, we can't do this after this wall of sound with right. band, <laughs> drums and everything, you know, in front of all these people. And they're going to hate us. They're going to hate me and they're going to hate Rob. And I had no clue, you know, and he's like, do, do, do one of those. And I was like, all right, all right. We start in on this thing and all those people, they just continue dancing and they're smiling from ear to ear. And it took about 10 seconds into the song to know that it was, everything was all right. And oh, that's good. Isn't you know, that beautiful? I was going to get back to Billy. Uh, sure. Audience, you know, it's like uh, that audience, uh, the audience that, that we played to uh, for fish. Those people, they they they're just they seem like they're just music lovers, and they uh, they accepted that. You know, we we played a fiddle and banjo tune, and that was they were cool with hearing that. You know, they and uh, they could feel the spirit, and were responding to that probably as much as what was going on with Billy. I think those people. I think that they see it's more than like uh, when you go watch Billy Strings. Or if you ever get to meet him, you you realize that he's like a genuine good guy. Or you meet Del McCurry, you know that uh, you know by seeing him on stage. Or if you ever get a chance to meet him, he's genuine, man. What you see up there on stage is the way this guy is, and that's the way Billy is. And I think that comes across to the people. 
you know, I, I really do. And I think, I think all those fans see Billy and I think it comes across what a, what a great musician he is, what a great person he is. And I think those people will stick behind, they stick with you, you know, <laughs> the fans. Stick with genuine. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Rob. You just yeah. handed me my segue because Del McCory, um, my girlfriend keeps up with on, on Instagram and there was one point she was showing me he was working on his RV before the tour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that like, got me to thinking, have there been times where you've broken down, you've been on the side of the road and there's Del McCory working on the car? Yeah, absolutely. On the <laughs> bus. Yeah. Man, I remember years ago pulling into the uh, he had that whole he had the whole motor out of the, <laughs> the whole engine out of the bus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, I'll have it done by tomorrow. <laughs> yeah but he's uh but Dell, you know he's uh i don't know he's one of those guys that seems like he knows a little bit about everything and he's he could he's a mechanic he's he could i'm he could build a house he could <laughs> he could uh, do the plumbing electricity anything you want he's he's he a has, therapist yeah therapist probably so <laughs> Does he? Does he? Years ago, he used to drive the bus, and I used to sit up and talk to him. So he's he's listened (laughs) and just listen to me talk for for hours and hours. (laughs) Any Dell stories that you can share that you can think of that Uh, he's that he told about? I mean, God, what he's done, Bill Monroe alone, the stuff he's seen and been a part of. I can tell you one thing about Dell is. like when he hired me and I went out to play, I hadn't been playing too long. Part of the way I learned to play fiddle was I would sit up and he would drive. He did 90% of the driving in the early days, drove the bus and I would sit up and ride shotgun with him. And, and then I, I would play fiddle, you know, and, and he, he said, I like it when you play fiddle up here cause it, it'll keep me awake, you know, while he's driving. It's probably horrible. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, I would try to work up my solos for his songs and he never told me what to play. Hmm. Interesting. He would say, he would say, now if you, he would say, you could play this, you could play it like that or whatever. Uh, And I would play like the person, I would try to play it like the person that recorded it before me. And he would say, you can play it however you want to play it. And I would ask him and he would sing to me. And uh, he would sing like a melody to me or hum a melody and, and I would try to play it back to him. And that's a big way that I learned to play, play, you know, uh, that's beautiful. A lot of hours uh, going down the road with him, <clears throat> a lot of late nights, probably keeping everybody else in the bus awake. <laughs> hey, driver's got to be awake. That's most important, that's right? right? That's right. I wouldn't when trip you- for the world. I'll tell you that. When you're at Del Fest, do all the bands want him to sit in with them? I mean, how does he? <laughs> he sits in with a lot of people up there. I know, but he can't sit in with everybody, can he? Yeah, boy, I don't know. He he does a lot. Yeah, I mean, he's a worker, man. He's uh, yeah. <laughs> even now, well, even uh, like you said, he, you saw a thing on his Instagram that he was working on the bus. Uh, that's eighty-three years old. You know, he's out there out there doing that. Yeah, that's a great thing. Recording and and touring. And uh, has his radio show, works on the bus. <laughs> Quite the guy, <laughs> to say the least. Speaking of Delfast, Tyler Childers. Yeah. You guys got to 
uh, back him for a set of songs. He's known for being very um, rehearsal oriented. I bet there was a lot of rehearsal going on with that. Uh, not really. We rehearsed. Uh, we had recorded a song called House House Fire mm. uh, with him uh, a while, a little maybe a year ago or so. Uh, and then I found out we were going to do this. We did rehearse. We went to the studio where we record, and we rehearsed one day. He was in town. Were you guys choosing the songs, or was he? Oh, he did. Yeah, it was his songs. Uh, no, I knew they were his, but I, you know, just wondering if you got, if any of you were like, "Hey, Tyler, can we do this one or that one?" Well, I'm sure we, we, I'm sure we could have, but I think he had a list. I think he came with like a list of of tunes. We got to hear the songs before the rehearsal, and then we just run over them a couple times a piece and recorded what we had, our rehearsal, so we could could listen to them in between, and then we rehearsed right before the show at Delfest. So that was all, you know. It was pretty exciting. <laughs> you know? Was there any specificity from him about how to approach stuff, or was he taking the same "let your personality come"? No, I think it was just like. Uh, we kind of cut, we had the like had an arrangement for each song, and I'm sure we probably mixed some of it up, you know, like who plays at what time and on a set like that. It, right, but as far as approach, he wasn't saying, "Hey, keep this in this kind of style or that," you know, kind of. Just we just played. It was just yeah, like, and man, his singing was just off the charts. Every time, every time he sung, opened his mouth, it was just beautiful, and and so many people know the words already too. He hasn't been around oh, that man. long. Man, it's crazy. He, they, they were singing, the whole crowd was singing along to his, to his stuff, and it was fun for me. It's, it's like it, uh, I, I don't know. I like to see people like, like him. Even during rehearsal, uh, there was, there was absolutely no sandbagging going on. He was like giving it his all. Yeah, you know, another guy that I, I, I think is, I feel that's that way too is Clint Majin from. Uh, Preservation Hall Jazz Band. We okay, yeah. with those guys, and he's the saxophone player, the young guy that, and he's a singer in the band. And when we would rehearse or do sound check or something, boy, he, man, every time, I don't care if it was just a broken down version of the band, man, he just he gave it his all every time. I don't know. I, that's that's kind of inspiring to me. It's like I want to. I want to be like that, you know. <laughs> Tyler was the same way. I mean, he was just boy. He just let you have it from the first note. This you'll remember, John Prine. Tell us about working with John Prine. And all right, I'm not familiar with the name. <laughs> <laughs> we worked uh, uh, several of the last Del McCurry band and Travel McCurry CDs that we did was recorded at John's uh, hmm. studio called the Butcher Shop. And it was right down in Germantown. It's not there anymore. Maybe like two years ago, they got rid of it and all, on the river. And it was, in, at one time, I think it was a butcher shop that where they brought the cattle in on a barge and brought them up. We don't need to go any further with that. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Hey, it's a podcast. You go as far as you want. That's, that's, uh, that's how it got its name. It was, it was actually a butcher shop years ago. But anyway. Cool. It was, it was John Prine's studio. I played with John and Mac Wiseman, and it was supposedly uh, John's, or not John's, but Mac's last performance at the time. Mm. I think mm. he might have done a couple of things after that, but this was his like retirement show, and me and Ron played on it, uh, John Prine and, uh, and Mac. 
So, and John was just the sweetest guy, just the nicest guy that you'd ever want to meet. When you were around him, it was just like, uh, again, like you were around somebody that was just like a lifelong friend. That's the way he made you feel, you know, it's just, you're super comfortable around him. And another one we've lost along the way, Charlie I got, Dan. I got, Go ahead. Good, I got a good story on that on, uh, on Mac. I shouldn't Please, tell. Yeah, bring it. <laughs> we were at, we were going on stage and there was a, at the Shimmer, I don't know how to say the Shimmerhorn, Skimmerhorn. It's a big, it's a beautiful theater in Nashville. It reminds you of Carnegie Hall. Beautiful place. And so we played this John John Prine and Mac Wiseman show there. And so as we're walking on stage, it says a sign that says absolutely no food or drinks on the stage. And so it's like, all right. So I didn't take any water out there. And we play and we get a couple songs into the set. And Mac, uh, Mac says, uh, <clears throat> he kind of coughs a little bit. And he says, uh, hey, he says I'm a little, little dry up here. Uh, could somebody bring me a drink of water? And I never thought anything of it. And then this little guy comes running out from the backstage holding a cup of water. And he runs it out on stage. <laughs> he gives it to Mac. And Mac turns that water up and spits it all over the stage <laughs> and he gets in the mic and he says damn that was water <laughs> it was supposed to be code huh he said damn that was water <laughs> oh shoot that was yeah that was awesome <laughs> i'm sure the, i'm sure the venue loved that one uh, i did <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Daniels. I had no idea you worked with Charlie Daniels. How did that happen? Greatest guy in the world, man. That guy was, we were worked with this guy. His name was Scott Rouse. Um, and we did these records, uh, called with the, called the groove grass boys. And it was with Mac Wiseman. And we did like a bluegrass Macarena. With <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, I think I got to look that up. I think you can find it. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty pretty hilarious somehow scott got was knew charlie and uh that was the beginning of a relationship with charlie daniels and we mm. got to record with him we did a gospel record and there's a video that we did at the hall of fame with charlie uh we also recorded on a uh the del mccurry band recorded on like a a friend's record with charlie and i'll never forget this i went to this the I think the studio was at his house or like behind it or behind his house. I think that's, I think it was his house. It's been a while back, but anyway, I got to the studio. It was probably like a 10 o'clock session and I got there early, 9.30 or something. I walked in and man, Charlie had his fiddle out and he didn't say, he didn't say hi, didn't say anything. He said, Jason, get your fiddle out. He said, I think we should do twin fiddles on this song. Get your fiddle out. I had just walked through the door and I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't see anybody here yet, you know, and I got my fiddle and we worked up this twin fiddle part and man, he was so excited, man. I, I, I thought right then, I thought this, this guy has done everything that a musician can do. He played with the Earl Scruggs review. He's had the biggest country music hits that you could have, you know, and we're getting ready to record this song. That's probably, not going to do anything for the career of Charlie Daniels. It's not going to be that. It's not going to be Devil Went Down to Georgia. I mean, <laughs> you know. Uh, but man, the guy was, he was as excited as anybody I've ever seen. 
And I don't know how old he would have been. He was up in his 70s at this time, at least. And I thought, you know, that's why you're, that's why we do this. You know, mm. I mean, some people you, you, sometimes you go and you're around people and they're like, ah, I got to go do this session or I got a show to do. And man, this guy was like beyond excited every time that I was ever around him. It's kind of, it's very inspiring. It's like, yeah, that's, I've, I'm here to play music, man. I'm, that, this is why I do this because I love it. And it's, that's why he was doing it, you know, and it, he was so excited about it. I never forgot that, you know. Do you remember composing it? Is it something you guys messed around and improvised and then found parts and went with it? Or was it something he had and said, hey, play this along with me? It was kind of, uh, we were, he was working, uh, he was working up the solo. He was kind of playing the melody of the tune, you know, on the fiddle. We might've changed, maybe I changed it, uh, maybe a little bit to make it a little more twin fiddle friendly or whatever, you know? Yeah, I mean, it seems like we just, we just kind of worked it out. Same as what we would have done like with John Mylander. Or, mm -hmm, sure like we were talking about earlier, you know, uh, but uh, unfortunately me, me, me and John and Lindsay didn't really have that much time to work anything out. It was right. Uh, off right. Oh man. I'd love to have been a fly in the wall. That's that first time you got together with him. Oh, incredible. And I got to play the Opry with him. Uh, hmm. He had asked me before to play Devil Went Down to Georgia with him. And I thought, shoot, I ain't getting up there and doing that. <laughs> I'm not crazy. You know, I, I was like, I was a little nervous about doing it. But then afterwards, I kind of regretted it. And then we were at the Opry one night. And he asked me if I wanted to go out and play, play it with him. And I was like, damn right I do. Yeah, I ain't missing out again, man. Let me in there. <laughs> <laughs> so in that case, are you adding counterpoint or are you just jumping on the lines with them? Uh, a little bit of both, I guess. I, I had, uh, there was one spot, one part in there, it was kind of like a jammy part and he gave me a little ride on it, you know, where I got to, got to play, improvise and play a little, little, little spot on it, you know? That's cool. Anyway, then too, man, it was just like when he had come into the dressing room, he was always excited to see you excited about playing just top-notch guy man he was just the greatest so yeah at portland string summit i was watching you guys the set started as a trio i that i was missing you then what what happened there and it was kind of interesting and then you guys came in and whoo oh oh <laughs> what happened there is uh somehow we had to for some reason myself and alan needed to go to the airport to pick up rental cars I don't remember how, what, what had happened. Something had changed in our travel plans. Something transportation wise. Yeah. And the cars were in our name. I got a call that said, Hey, you need to go pick up these rental cars. So it was like, we had plenty of, thought we had plenty of time. We got to the rental car place, got to the airport and everything that could went, go wrong, went wrong. Oh. And then it was like rush hour time whenever we were trying to drive back. <laughs> That's got to be the worst when you've got a gig and there's something standing between you and the gig. Yeah, yeah, I think, and we, I think we had to like leave directly after the gig, something like that. I don't remember what it was, but uh, that's what happened. We had to go pick up rental cars, and we got there, and then they didn't have a van, or didn't one of us wasn't getting a van, or something went wrong. Took longer than what it what it should have, and then we got stuck in rush hour traffic coming back. And missed a couple of songs on the on the set. You definitely missed. Although it was interesting to see him as a trio, you know. Yeah, but it's I, the. I would say it was probably pretty good. You probably got to hear some things that you would not normally get to hear. Well, isn't that's that a, the beauty of it? You know, yeah, that's you gotta, a way to look at it. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. I bet, especially if you love what you do, you get these opportunities, and it's like, well, 
Well, yeah, what, what are we going with? We know what we got to work with. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, before I ask the last question, Seth, you got you got more for him? No, no, I'm good. Uh, we, I mean, we could talk for hours for sure, and we will. Absolutely. We'll see you at the Holiday Hoot. Yeah, yeah. I'll be back there. We'll hang out. I want to know, Traveling McCoys are definitely going to be here for a long time, right? Yeah. What, looking forward, what do you guys have? Is it more originals? And what, what what's your view of that band moving forward? Oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, hopefully more of the same of what we've been doing. But uh, we we do. We have recorded a couple tunes. And there's talk of us getting back in the studio soon to record, you know. Nice. Uh, we have a couple things in the can. And I'm just excited to play as much as I can with those guys, you know. That That is the future. That is a great unit. I love them. And I did. Oh, I did have one other thing. Tell oh, before, before you do, though, the sure. album album's going to be. Are you doing vinyl on the album? Did I miss that? You are. And it's November 4th. Yeah. Yeah. Del McCoy takes requests and you guys often play them. Yes. Do you remember any like crazy, weird requests? And you guys actually how, how often do you go for it? you're always so tight and stuff's always worked up, but sometimes do the requests inspire you to do something uh, off the cuff? And do you have any extreme examples that you can think of of that? We did uh Slewfoot the other day. Really? Yeah. Where was that? I don't remember where that was at. I, I don't know, but we did it on a show and I don't think, I don't know if I ever remember doing that with Dell with the Del McCurry band. Uh, another time we did, uh, I've been with Dell now 30 years uh, and this would have been at Delfest, I don't know, maybe five years ago. So 25 years or s- around that time. Somebody hollers out, hey, bartender. And uh, and he's like, yeah, let's do it. And we had never done it. <laughs> Alan was playing bass. Said, uh, they asked when we got done, they asked, they said, we've never done that since Alan's been in the band. And that's been 14, 15 years or something like that. And I was like, hey, man, we've, we've never done that since I've been in the band 30 25 years or whatever and they just kicked it off and fiddle and then the, they do a little run on the mandolin or guitar and then the fiddle comes in to kick it off and we had never done it you know? <laughs> luckily i i knew the tune you know <laughs> well you know dylan has been known for like just start singing a song that yeah. the band has never rehearsed <laughs> has he has Dell ever done that not even a request just start singing and you're like whoa and then just you jump on and go no i don't know about that but that the hey bartender would have been like the closest, That's, but I knew that tune, you know. I and Dale had recorded that. I'd heard it, you know. So I mean, that was that's better than not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you never know, man. He he's if he thinks he can get through it, uh, he w- he'll definitely try. You know, if he's recorded something, he will t- he will give it a shot. A lot of times, you know, it, you know. Sometimes I think if if there if it's been just too long, he might say, you know, I just I. I I don't remember it. To be honest with you, some of the stuff that I've recorded with him, if people would request, I might not. I don't remember. I don't remember it as well as I should. Or, you know, there's there's certain times that they'll, they'll call off a song and it's like my kickoff, and it's, I'm like looking at somebody else, thinking, "Are you going to kick this thing off?" <laughs> oh, it's me. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. That's the grass and the bluegrass, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Thank you so much for your time for being so patient. The new record is Low Down Ho Down. It's out November fourth. Thank you also for being a part of Holiday Hoot Nanny so many times. That's a very special part of uh, of the Atlanta scene, and you've you've been a, a big part of many great moments there. 
Oh man, well I'm glad to be a part of it, glad to be a part of your show here, so thank you for having me. I can't wait to see you guys down there. Jason Carter, what a man! So nice to sit down with him, even you know Zoom. Like Zoom, we're so used to it now. I mean, I work off Zoom all the time, but um, but warm guy and just made it really easy to chat with. It was very enjoyable conversation. So I'm so grateful for his time, and uh, I learned a lot. There's a lot of names and that he brought up that I just were new to me. We barely scratched the surface of uh, his lexicon, his history, his uh, experience. We didn't even do a way back. We should. And I also want to point out to the other Jason Carter, because I, I know he listens. Um, we, we'll have you on too, Jimmy Carter's son. He lives in Georgia. We need to have him on too. I've got questions about Arlo Guthrie, about Chip, and about the, all kinds of stuff. So, Jason, come on the show. We'll have you on as well, right? Seth, you, you're cool with that, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Absolutely. Love the Carter Foundation. I just, I don't think he'll have any, you know, stories about Earl Scruggs or Charlie Daniels. But, you know. You never know. He might have about Charlie Daniels. I mean, the devil did go down to Georgia. Almond Brothers. The Almond Brothers were part of the whole <laughs> Jimmy Carter election, right? Yeah. CNN did a documentary on it. Yeah, it was so good. I like that one. So I'm in Florida, Seth, but do you know Florida. what I'm doing? Do you know what I'm doing the first night I'm back in uh, Atlanta? I'm mowing the lawn. Seeing David Cross with you. Yeah, dude. Are you, How exciting. Oh, my God. So, folks, we got I was in Colorado and I got a little ping on my phone. It said, uh, you know, ping. Ping. I, I got an email. I was sad. and it was ping. like, oh, David Cross is playing the Earl, which is like, oh, what? A, I mean, you and I, by the way, we have a good run. You and I, Rob, with seeing big acts in the Earl at the Earl. We saw Portugal, the man at the Earl. Now we're uh, seeing this. We saw some other stuff, too. If we go spill. Back. I've seen Charlie Louvre in there. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 what are the kids? What's the Zeppelin kid? Uh, Greta Van Fleet. I saw there. Oh, my God. All right. Anyway, so David Cross is doing a stand up comedy. I ended up getting us tickets uh, and they sold out instantaneously. And so how did you get them? I just went online and bought them. Like, hold on a second. Let me rewind that. I went online and bought tickets. I didn't go to the the owner and say, hey, can I get guest listed? I bought tickets. folks. When was the last time when you saw Keith Jarrett or Leonard Cohen or something like that? Oh my God. I was, I was thinking about Keith Jarrett last night. I haven't, I was thinking about listening after seeing Billy again. I was like, Oh, I got to listen to some Keith because his, his, uh, uh, last night, Billy's, um, uh, keyboard player who looked like Warren Haynes, by the way, which is really weird. But But to be clear, listen, we have an acoustic audience. You're talking about Billy Cobham. Sorry. Yes. Former guest, two time 
champion. Billy, Billy means something much different in the Jamgrass world at this point. That's like saying Jerry in the Jamgrass world. Well, maybe we got their attention then. Okay. All right. I got <laughs> point taken. Billy to, oh my God. Billy, Billy strings should play with built to spill and it should be Billy to spill. <laughs> Did you see BTS that Asian, uh, Vocal group is taking a time off, which makes Built to Spill the leading BTS band in the world again, like it should be. Oh, how about, about time. that? About time. Hey, Getting folks, we to- want to know from you. Wait, do wait, you wait. want to hear? Oh, okay, I'm sorry. You were going to tell a story about Billy Cobham. I did. The keyboard player who looked like Warren Haynes played that- like little Keith Jarrett's type stuff, and which got me thinking back to that Miles Davis kind of thing kind of going on. Um, that's your show review. Um, older crowd. Everyone was gray hair. <laughs> like I'm one to speak. Look at my hair. My God. And this light is like, uh, if you can say I look great. Um, but, uh, Hey, yeah. if you look, if you look closely, my blonde wavy hair, there's some gray. Our listeners are really looking closely right now. <laughs> Just a touch. Just a touch. I gotta tell you, Rob, I miss doing this with you and listeners. If you miss this, will you let us know? Because we don't hear from you. And it really breaks my heart. And by the way, Rob, we did hear from one listener yesterday who had a question about Green Sky Bluegrass that you're going to get back to me about. Yeah. Yes. All right. Absolutely. Because we want to get back to our listeners who actually get to us. But folks, you can get to us at InsideOutWTNS on gmail.com. You can get to us on our social media. You can get to us. Oh, you know, one of the easiest ways to get to us, they have these planes that have like uh, signs on the back on the tail you know you can do one of those kind of an expensive way to do it and not guarantee we're going to see it but yay you can get to us and support osiris media too they're trucking along there's so many podcasts such great stuff going on over there osirismedia.com don't forget to do that folks osirispod.com right i think it's osiris oh it's osirispod.com but osiris media is the name of the company so yes. many great, so many great podcasts on there. Karina Rickman has a new one on there. Uh, really she good. does. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's fun. She's funny. I, I've been enjoying the growth of her career. She's she's great. People all love, love, love her. Yes, they do. So, yeah, you guys reach out to us. We'll motivate. Like like we said in the interview, we just need a little kick in the ass and we'll we'll do episodes. But we're both very busy. We just need to link up and be inspired. Right. And this, this, we're mm-hmm. not going away, but, you know, I don't think we'll be twice a month. No, Unless, we're, we're, we're when it happens, when it's meaningful, when it makes sense. And speaking of making sense and meaningful, if the holidays are coming up, which they are, if you, uh, you know, live in the Atlanta area or or anywhere for that matter, and you're looking to spice up your holiday party, your corporate party, whatever it might be. Consider your rocktioneer for game shows and entertainment uh, loading out a new thing, which isn't really new. I did it for years with the events now. I'm bringing it to your corporate event or to your private party. I just did a family feud for a uh, someone's 40th birthday in the mountains and brought, came out and did a little family feud game show. Uh, but there's all ways to do it, customizing all that. YourRockSheneer.com and, of course, for your fundraising needs. But I had to do a little advertisement. Rob, I hope you don't mind. Oh, not at all. And, I, folks, you you listen to the show. You know, I'm not, I'm not afraid to give Seth shit. You know, he can derail an interview like a motherfucker. But I'll tell you what. At this auctioneering stuff, this fundraising stuff, there's nobody better. If no, you, anybody who is remotely related to the rock realm that has access to Seth and doesn't use him is just not thinking straight. So yourrocktioneer.com. Check them out. Thank you. You know, Rob, I was, I've been reminiscing a lot about the times of uh, work. You know, because remember, my ex-wife still works in the music industry and has that old company that I started. And uh, I continue with it. Um, and uh, I listened to the you know, this 
festivals and 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 the work and working with the people and all that stuff. And man, let me tell you something. I don't miss it. I'm so appreciative of all the work and time that I did in that. So I really am appreciative. I'm not, you know, my time on Jam Cruise. You know, I'm not doing Jam Cruise this year. I'm I'm done with all of those events. I feel bad for the Jam Cruise attendees. Oh yeah, do you really? <laughs> well, there was one musician who be who remained nameless, who we were interviewing them and. They had done a destination show and you had not been there. And I jokingly said, oh, I bet the activity sucked. And he seriously said, yeah, they kind of did. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, you were missed, okay. Seth. So, no, I'm um, actually being serious. But I appreciate I appreciate all I got out of it. But there is such a difference now. I'm seen. I'm heard. I'm appreciated. I'm respected. And not that I wasn't respected in that industry. It's just I was an afterthought. I wasn't, you know, and now. Well, put it this way. You're in a position where the crews that you're working with now really wanted you had a specific uh ability to understand the benefit to them and now you're going to be working that every year and it's a bunch of nurses so you're probably oh, yeah next... nurse con at sea that's my next call i gotta get prepared it's for probably it. gonna be where you find your next wife too well i don't know uh i'm telling you i mean maybe but uh maybe who knows uh but i am on the dating scene and and i'm starting to date again and I, when it rains it pours i guess but uh i am single so yeah you're rockshaneer.com for bar mitzvahs for weddings or for your wedding and marry me hey oh <laughs> all the puns uh, you can Rob, stand man, uh good luck with your family down there in, in florida um it's such a nice thing you're doing taking care of your fam so you're good yes man. and thank you to kimberly murphy for being here with me and her daughter's fine and to be with us too cassie yeah, very cool very sweet cassie, oh i know that name from that band fireside collective is that right yes but she does a lot more than that Seth. oh uh I mean, she must because it's not that big of a band. Oh, she's the Liza. Mel she's oh. the Liza Minnelli of Jamgrass. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? Well, you, you have to figure it out yourself, dude. OK, fine. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in. We got all the stuff on our our the notes and links to everything we spoke about right there on the bottom of whatever you're listening to in the description. Please like share and go back to like, go. I dare you. I challenge you. If you're listening right now. Go to our Instagram page, go to our Facebook, go to our Twitter and retweet, reshare something from an episode that you loved. If it's Billy Strings, if it's John Fishman, Sam and Dusters, we listened to Sam and Dusters the other day. That is a great episode. That was a good one. Hey, and by the way, we got to talk to Vince Herman. It's been a minute. I miss him. I hope he's speaking of Vince Herman. That's your best performance, I think, was the Vince Herman interview. (laughs) Yeah, that was a fun one. And I can't look at some of the photos. I mean, just with our time here has gone fast, hasn't it? I think we're almost at five years, if not longer. It's weird. It's closer to seven, you ding dong. Jesus. Really? Yes. Stop. We've been over this. We, we had the fifth anniversary and we did a two-part <laughs> two special. Whatever. Just, just keep... What are we going to do? Take us out of here, Rob. What are we... That what carnival we barking. You're busy with the carnival barking. Um, I would say check out Daniel Donato, folks. You know, I, I was chasing... Uh, Kimberly and I were chasing Billy Strings for a while. He's in arenas. I'm all about it, but I don't know how many arenas we're going to go to. We got our eye on that Daniel Donato, Cosmic Country lad. Bye, everyone. Oh, you.
steps out of the limo when the paparazzi starts. She flashes the cameras left and right. She's a queen of the Nashville night. We came here together between us one guitar. I became a picker, she became a star. Well, that's okay. Has she did all right? She's a queen of the
my turn. Yeah. Thank you. His name is Alan Bartram. Give Alan a hand, would you please? My turn, Bartram, they call him. Thank you, folks. Uh, this is a this is a song by the by the group, the Water Boys. Um, not really a bluegrass uh, song by any means, but we're gonna try to do it our style. It's called the Hole of the Moon. <laughs> <laughs> 